For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. The unsurpassed, profound, and wondrous Dharma is rarely met with even in a hundred thousand million kalpas. Now I can see and hear it, accept and maintain it. May I unfold the meaning of the Tathagata's truth. And when she's ready, uh, Asian Nancy Easton will be giving today's talk. Good morning, Bodhisattvas. First things first, can everyone hear me? Okay. Can you also see me? Okay. Can you see my whole face? Okay. My uh, laptop computer camera is really weird, and so I can't actually see myself at all, which honestly is a blessing after maybe a year and a half of Zoom. <laughs> um, so I do, but I want to make sure that you can. I am, and if I have any technical difficulties, I have my phone, so I will log back in on, on Zoom. Um, it's great to be here and to see you all or see your, your names. I want to start by um, confessing, really, I guess, that I have been extremely busy lately with um, my return to in-person work. And, you know, maybe, maybe some of you are, too. Um, I know that previously I was extremely busy working from home for the last 18 months, and maybe some of you are that as well. Um, I, I noticed that with, with the, uh, the advent of working from home, that I just suddenly became much, much busier because everything just took longer. And I thought that going back in person would mean that things you know, could go back to the way they were, but they actually can't, and they even take longer. And I, it's a thing, I'm even more more busy now than than I was before. And um, you know, bef- before all this, I was merely busy, and that seems like you know such a luxury now. And but I also, you know, I, I had our our temple and the rhythm of our temple and. As I think uh, Gyoshin Laurel Ross was talking about last week, taking for granted the ways in which my life was supported by the practice that we shared together in person. And it's, we share it together in Zoom, but it's a little bit different. So maybe appropriately, I want to talk today about um, Zen for busy folks. So I, I, wanted, I want to start by acknowledging that 
activity and maybe busyness are, are not the ideal conditions for the practice of Zen, as we have been sitting for, you know, 40 minutes now and allowing ourselves to um, sort of steep in our practice. And, you know, and, and really our practice does require time. It requires a lot of time. It requires the, the time that we can give it. You know, we need time for sitting and observing and, re, re, and relaxing, you know, so that we can relax into the present. Um, we, need, we need time to be present to others. We need time to be present to our, our own inner voice to allow that to bubble up. We need time to be present with nature, time to be present with our actions. We also need time for study and reflection, maybe on precepts or sutras or koans or, or contemporary writings about Zen, which helps to inform what we do on our cushions and, 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 and really to helps us to cultivate our awareness, which also takes time, you know, and the time that we, the time that we bring to our practice is repaid to us by the cultivation of our awareness and the deepening of our, of our awareness. And, um, similar maybe to what Dogen talks about in Genjo Koan, when our, when our need is small, our field is small. When our, when our need is vast, our, our field is vast and our practice is vast. And when we, have, um, when we have only a little bit of time, then we have our practice in that little bit of time. When we have a lot of time, we have, we have our practice in that lot of time. And so all of that is totally okay. But our the quality of our awareness can really change, and I and I've noticed I've noticed that a lot lately. I will say that you know during the week I was really struggling and, and feeling like you know I don't even know how I can give a Dharma talk right now. But I got home Friday night and my awareness changed so that on you know I, I put aside the things that I was doing during the week and devoted my my thoughts to practice and how I'm what what to talk about and and you know where I'm at so you know our as practitioners in the world I think our attention is often really divided among these different responsibilities that we have we have our our sangha our practice our work our family and we are we are constantly um, moving between these these realms and this is this is maybe not ideal, or we can feel that it's not ideal based on um, based on a maybe more monastic orientation. But I think it is for many, if not all of us on this call, the truth. And the truth is also really essential for practice to occur. You know, we we can't get anywhere with our practice, pretending to be someone that we're not or somewhere that we're not. And so you, you really have to start with the truth of who and where you are. Um, you know, our, our, but, our, but our practice also helps us to uncover the truth about our lives on all different kinds of levels. Our practice 
makes it possible to discern that inner voice that comes, you know, bubbling up from unseen depths that tells us something about our lives. It, our practice helps us to increase our awareness of our interdependence, you know, this, that becomes clearer as we sit and as we see all the ways in which each moment is connected to all the moments that have come before and all the moments that come after. And finally, our practice helps us to cultivate stillness, you know, that stillness, which is actually the backdrop of all of our activity, all of our, everything we do takes place within that stillness. And that's harder to see when we're in the midst of all these activities, but it is there and our practice helps us to, to get there. So Practice can be can feel more challenging when we're caught up in these activities. And yet, you may have, if you have been um, coming to Ancient Dragon or practicing Zen someplace else for a while, you may have heard of the one who is not busy. And so today I'm going to talk a little bit about the one who is not busy. And the, the, the phrase as far as I'm aware, um, comes from, or at least is, is cited in the Book of Serenity um, in Case 21, which is titled Union Sweeps the Ground. And so I'm going to read a little bit of this for you. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just read the case. Um, so the case goes, as Union was sweeping the ground, Dawu said, too busy. Union said, you should know there's one who isn't busy. Dawu said, if so, then there's a second moon. Yunyan held up the broom and said, which moon is this? So this is a, let me see. You know, this is a dialogue between two Dharma brothers who I believe may actually have been brothers by birth, Yunyan and Dawu. And you may have heard of Yunyan because Yunyan was Dongshan's teacher. So there's a piece of our lineage in, in this koan. And Yunnan is sweeping. And Dao, his brother, walks by and sees his activity and says, you know, oh, you're too busy. As if his activity or his work is separate from or precluding the real activity of, you know, practice and realization. And we can think that way. You know, we, we all can think that way. And I am maybe, you know, that's sort of where I was on earlier in the week where I was sort of feeling like, I don't know how I can possibly, you know, give a Dharma talk. That's, that's our, that's maybe a little bit of our delusion. And, and Yunyan then clarifies by saying, you know, there's one who's not busy, meaning not busyness is right here. And Dao says, you know, well, if that's true, then there's a second moon. Now the moon is, um, often used to refer to maybe Zen or practice, but in this case, I think it means reality. If that's true, then there's two realities that implying that in, or, in order to be able to comment on being busy or not busy, it means that, you know, but there's two, two realities, two unions, you know, there's, or, or two activities, there's work or separation from work. Or, or the worker as being separate from the work. 
And so Union doesn't bother to clarify that at all, um, except to hold up the broom and say, you know, which moon is this? So, so signifying by th- that by uniting his mind with the task, he is fully experiencing the one reality. So I love that he doesn't bother with a moon. He just holds up a broom, by, which, which I think also encapsulates the idea that, that this is all one. This is all, all of this is one piece. So, you know, what, what I think he's saying is that because samsara, which is, you know, the mundane world and activities and nirvana or, you know, awakening or practice realization, because these two things are inherently one, we can actualize the one who's not busy in the midst of our activities. So when we were in our temple space, we would on Sundays, um, you know, we would do some zazen and then we would have a break and do some walking meditation which allowed us to to take that zazen mind and bring it to some some movement you know some something off of our cushions and and we would be able to get a little a little stretch of our legs and continue to cultivate that zazen mind that that mindfulness of of what we're doing and then afterwards, after service and, and the talk, we would have work practice and work, our work practice, you know, usually involves cleaning the temple in some way. And it was an opportunity to continue to hold on to that zazen mind while we're engaging in an activity. And this was great practice. We, we could cultivate that, that practice also during sashins, maybe during our work period for a more extended period of time when we would be doing some activity in, you know, silently and mindfully and bringing our whole self to that activity. And, and this was, I think it turns out to be, you know, wonderful practice for our work in the world that we we can use that experience to start bringing our practice to other activities in the world. Maybe, you know, if you walk to work, maybe you can, can hold on to that, that Zazen mind in your walking, or if you are, um, you know, doing a work activity, maybe there's a way to hold on to that Zazen mind in what you're doing. So I want to read a little bit more. Um, just to just to comment on this a little bit more, there's there's in with each case in the Book of Serenity, there's a commentary, and I and and this commentary is pretty extensive, but I'm just gonna read a little bit. So the commentary by Wan Song says, here, as Yun Yan was sweeping the ground, Dawu casually tested him. Yunyan said, you should know there is one who isn't busy. Good people, as you eat, boil tea, sew, and sweep, you should recognize the one not busy. Then you will realize the union of mundane reality and enlightened reality. In the Dongshan progression, this is called simultaneous inclusion, naturally not wasting any time. Dawu immediately saw the open seam and said, if so, there is a second moon. 
The two old men feared that people would set up a reality body as apart from the physical body, that, that the reality body meaning reality as, a, as apart from what we as human beings in this four, as far as I know, dimensional world are doing. National teacher Huizhong said to a Chan traveler from the South, for us here, the Buddha nature is completely unborn and undying. For your Buddha nature in the South, there is half born, half dying, half unborn and undying. The traveler said, how do you distinguish? The teacher said, here we say body and mind are one suchness. There's nothing outside of mind. Therefore, it's completely unborn and undying. You in the South say body is impermanent while the spiritual nature is permanent. There, it's half born, half dying, half unborn and undying. When you get here, you must realize there's a time to turn around to the father. Yunyan then held up the broom and asked, which moon is this? This expression originally comes from the heroic March scripture, which says, like the second moon, who will say it is the moon? Who will deny it? For Manjushri, only one moon is real. In between, there is naturally nothing that is or is not the moon. Dawu immediately stopped. According to one version, Dao brushed out his sleeves and left. I say, completely exposed. But tell me, is it Yunyan exposing Dao or Dao exposing Yunyan? Those who have clear eyes try to check it out and see. So the commentary talks about this united body and mind the, the, that is undying. The, the, we don't say that... Um, that the mind is permanent and the body is impermanent. They're, they're one thing. And so the person in the activity and the activity are not separate. Now, I want to go back to what he says about um, good people. As you eat, boil tea, sow and sweep, you should recognize the one not busy. Then you will recognize the union of mundane reality and enlightened reality. In the Dongshan progression, this is called simultaneously, simultaneous inclusion, naturally not wasting any time. So what he's referring to right there is the five ranks, which were um, something that Dogen wrote about quite a bit. The five ranks refer to the relationship of the real and the phenomenal. So the real might be the, the universal or absolute truths. And then the phenomenal is our, our phenomenal particular world. And really, the, I, I sometimes think of it as sort of the, the real as being sort of the abstract or the ideal or the, the absolute or universal. And when you think about it, the only way that can manifest is through the particulars of our lives. That it, otherwise, it's just some abstract concept that has no usefulness to us. You know how how can we do something with that? So, so there are five different degrees of this. It's not that one is better than the other. It's just five different qualities. And the one that the one that they're talking about here, simultaneous inclusion, I think is. Well, in Dongshan's writing, I think this would be called um, arriving within both. So we have the, the five ranks are the, the phenomena within the real. So the, the ways that the phenomena 
phenomenal world is um, contained within the real world. The, we have the real within phenomena, the way that the real world is manifest within phenomena. We have coming from within the real, moving within both, and then arriving within both. And I'm going to just read about this for a moment. So in Dongshan's, and Dongshan was Yunyan's student, in his commentary on arriving within both, he has a small poem. He says, falling into neither being or non-being, who dares harmonize? People wish to escape the stream of the ordinary, and yet, after all, return to sit in the warm coals and ashes. We, We can't escape our ordinary lives. And, and, but we can find awakening within that. So Tygen actually says in, in his book on, on this, he says, you know, in arriving within both, the particulars and the ultimate are not at all separate without settling into one aspect or the other. Both Beyond merely harmonizing two different sides, their integration is fully realized. Though feeling the wish to be free of the mundane karmic stream, one naturally returns to just sit in the warm coals or ashes of life and death. So I think that that is what Yunyan is doing. He's, and I think part of what he's saying is that Zen is not about escaping from our life. Zen is right here in the middle of our life. We don't have to go someplace else to practice it. We can practice it right here and now through all of our activities. As as Shinto Sichan said in the Song of the Grass Hut, you know, don't separate from this skin bag here and now. So we can take some of these lines from different texts that we that we chant um, in particular maybe the song of the precious mirror samadhi which has a lot about the five ranks or shito's harmony of difference and sameness we can we can take some of those lines and we can roll them over in your head to um and and see how they apply to your current re- our current reality so so you know we don't escape from our lives we don't separate from this skin bag here and now we do need now that doesn't mean that that we can well I don't know what you know I don't know what it means about what we can do but but I want to just I want to emphasize that you know we do need time we need time for practice and we need time for reflection and time for study and we of course we need study you know we need to familiarize ourselves with the stories that can help to illuminate reality for us um if you have ever had a song lyric suddenly appear in your mind, like a, you know, a lyric to a popular song and realize that it pertained to the current situation. Um, I think that our, our practice life can be like this too. You know, how wonderful that, that when, when you find that you've sort of steeped yourself enough in the lineage and our tradition and our traditions stories so that they start to arise in ordinary activities so that we can, you know, kind of illuminate what's going on. Um, and because then I think we can begin to see the, the real within our phenomenal activity. So, so if Zen is not about escaping from our life, what is it? I want to say that Zen really is about engaging with our life and whether you are engaging with your life now by living in a setting where practice 
where you have lots of time for practice and practice and, and direct study predominate, or whether you're living in a setting where you have to take those things and um, be maybe more intentional about applying them to your life because you're not being supported in that, in that way. Um, Zen is really about, you know, engaging with our life. So, so how can we know if we are engaged with our activity or if we're merely busy? You know, how, how can we know these things? These, that's a question that I think people have asked, you know, forever um, from, from the beginning of practice. And there's no one right answer. I think it boils down to the word discernment, you know, that we, we have to be willing to engage the question. Am I, am I too busy? Or am I act actively engaged? You know, how do we find that place between somewhere between, you know, working too hard and on the one hand and slacking off on another? So I have some I have some suggestions that, that you can use to apply to this. So, you know, one would be to take some time to reflect on what you're doing. Maybe, maybe reflect moment by moment within the activity or could be reflecting later. Now, I don't mean in a, in a, in a, I, when I say reflect, I mean, not like, you know, like good, bad, but maybe more in the sense of, you know, kind of a, what is this? What is this that thus comes? What is this that I'm doing? And as we reflect, we can maybe, you know, observe, thoughts and feelings and, 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 you know, maybe, maybe feelings of, of stress or panic on the one hand or boredom or, or dullness on another hand or, or thoughts that, that maybe, you know, we should be doing something else. Maybe we're not doing, maybe we feel like we're not doing this right. And, and so observe all those thoughts that come up, you know, maybe look for, um, signs that we're having moments of, of energy or vitality or ease, you know, are we on task, but also in a, in a way that allows us to be, you know, relaxed and present? Does our work seem to flow? You know, are we, can, can we turn toward our activity rather than sort of contracting away from it? Um, you know, but also, I think we also have to accept that, Things, not every moment, you know, is going to feel inspired. You know, we, we can have thoughts of, you know, this is hard. I don't want to do this. I'm doing it wrong. That's, that's okay. It's, it's, it's okay to have those thoughts and to, you know, continue to just relate to them as thoughts, you know, let, let them go and continue to turn towards the activity that, that we're doing of, of what we're doing, you know, just devote your attention to each moment and then the next moment. And that is a way to bring your practice to life in your work. You know, this, this really is an aspect of finding intimacy with our activity and then opening to the essential truth of our lives. You know, this, this non-separation that we're not beings as separate from the activities or, or beings around us you know, that, that we are part of that interconnectedness and then subject and, you know, subject and object can then become one reality in this engaged activity. So 
So this is intimacy with our activity. It's also a way that our work can become a Dharma gate, you know, a Dharma gate meaning something that opens us up to Dharma or to reality. So I think I just want to close by saying, you know, even though you may not always feel like you have time for practice, you can practice with bringing your soft, flexible Zazen mind to your activities in the world. And I think that um, I think that we need both. You know, we, we need it's 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 a matter of finding a balance on the one hand, but also finding opportunities to unite the two or to, or finding opportunity. They are, they are united. Maybe it's finding opportunities to see the ways in which they're, which they're united. So thank you for your attention. I'm hoping we can have a little discussion. I may have to move out of the sun. So please forgive me for a moment. That's not really any better. Here we go. Okay, thank you. If anyone would like to say anything, please do. Um, I think you all maybe know how this works. Ruben will look for people who are raising their hands, either in person or on um, through your through the participant window, and then we'll recognize people. I see Paul. Uh, thank you very much. Uh- the, the, your your caregiver spirit comes through very clearly in your lecture. I, I, I'm very deeply uh, impressed and, and pleased with that. Um, but we have a there is a problem that is hard for us to see. I think here in the West, especially because we are so we're so attuned to thinking about things and to evaluating and and adjusting and to putting putting values on things and. The, the my experience in Japan was, was especially working with with uh, with craftspeople, with traditional craftspeople, and in this country too, working with 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 uh, craftspeople and people that working people mostly. Mostly, there's a state that is like is the zazen mind that people that you can that you can do activity, but that you have that bring that activity to it. But it's it's a state of non separation. So you have no idea that you're doing it. I mean, you can't, you can't, it's, it's, there's no self-awareness, really. It's really hard to describe. I, I could tell a story about it that would illustrate it, but but it's, when you when you really are just, just doing whatever you're doing, just sweeping, just sitting, just eating, without evaluating, thinking that the time's running out or that I have to, you know, chew this many times or, the, 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 this this is good or that is bad. The the clock the clocks the the clock opens up and there's more minutes in the hour, 
I know it sounds a little strange, but it's, but I've, I've actually experienced this. It, it actually happens, and time becomes a much more, a much broader, a much broader spectrum of, of our uh, our activities. And it's it's just it's just like as the Genjo Cohen says is to 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 understand the self, you must forget the self and be informed by all things. So if you're informed by all things, all things. Um, there's no separation. There's no you. You're you're the broom is sweeping you. It's not. It's not. It's not like there's um, some 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 other activity going on. And in, and in the and in the West here, we've gotten really into thinking that Zen has to do with slow and mindfulness and sort of looking at things and, and evaluating and thinking about things. Where in Japan, it's just the opposite. Zen's incredibly fast. Because there's no separation between the actor and the action, it just happens, and there's no there's no 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 distance between them, and and there's no friction. There's no friction. There's no friction. Everything runs incredibly smoothly because there's no friction. You're not rubbing up against anything. I know it's really hard to 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 imagine or hard to talk about and hard to explain, but it does happen. I have experienced it. It's it's. It's it's an amazing state, and it is. It all comes from from zazen mind. Whether people are consciously doing zazen or not, is that mind of not being separate from your breath, not being separate from your work, not being separate from the broom, not being separated from your eating. It's just there, there's no space in between. Um, anyway, it's something that's always I always find, and I'm glad that you I'm glad that you talked about this, and I think that you're you anyway you. You emphasize that, that first that the people need to know who they are, which I think is the, the, the first important step you to find the truth of your true being. But then to find this space where you're not separated, that, this is a very difficult thing to, to talk about. Anyway, thank, thank you very much for your lecture. Well, thank you, Paul, for that reminder. Um, I, I think I, that's something that I was struggling with in my talk because I, I thought that, you know, people will want to know, you know, how can I know if I'm doing that? And um, that's, I think, what I was, what I was trying to, to get at. Do you think that there is a way to know if you're doing that? Or is that really, um, beside, you know, that, that question takes you right out of doing it immediately? If you, if you know you're doing it, then you're not doing it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thank you. Eve is next. Well, I was just talking to a student of mine um, who lives in New Orleans, and and he evacuated. It's the first time he's done that in fourteen years. So, um, so he's in Alabama at the moment. But you know, in talking to him, I mean. And it was reminded me of what what um um what Roshi said last last week, I think that you know that these are the times when we have plenty of chances to practice being a bodhisattva um and you know and similarly we've got lots of chances to practice and um I guess you know what impresses me about my student. He's he's a he, he's an Aikido practitioner, and and I think you know in the ways he's talked about Aikido, it it reminds me of some of the things that that Paul's just said. Um, that you know he's trained to 
to respond and 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 adapt you know quickly and he knows how to fall and i think you know there's something maybe metaphoric more than metaphoric and knowing how to fall um and and i think that has helped him adapt to you know the current situation where and i hadn't even realized it cuz frankly i hadn't been paying that much attention to the the hurricane news but they said the storm that's coming into new orleans um in is the most powerful storm we've seen um on land yet um so <laughs> and and they're just waiting to see whether all the investment they've put into building up the levees etc whether it you know whether the levees hold and whether it makes a difference and but i felt like you know my students like i mean he's you know he seems to be okay whatever happens that he has learned how to adapt Eve, i couldn't hear i couldn't hear everything that you said um i hope that your student is okay i i actually haven't been paying to attention to uh the news yesterday and today so i'm not sure what's what's happening there but um i liked what you said about the ways in which his aikido practice has maybe helped um in terms of some of the activities that he's learned to do and and i think maybe going with what um Paul was saying it's 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 that I think it's that kind of thing that I that I'm trying to say too is that we learn things um, for for your student maybe it's activities for us um, for all of us you know it's it's language or um, you know maybe in our in our practice it's stories we learn things that then we we no longer think about applying them. We learn them to the point of, of not thinking anymore about applying them. We, they just happen automatically. Yeah. I th- and I think that's what you're saying too. Yeah. And it does, it does remind me of, I mean, one thing, you know, that's helped me understand his Aikido practice. I did have some training in judo um, and they teach you how to fall and, but you know, and, and you have to learn it so that it does become automatic, right. So that you, you relax your body and you don't tense up. Um, <laughs> and it seems like it said that there's plenty of opportunities now to, to practice that. Yeah. But well, right. That's someone once said that, you know, in the end, that's, that's what we have to fall back on is, is our practice and our training that, that when um, ways of responding become automatic, we, they just become, they, they inform who we are. They, they don't inform who we are. They become who we are. It's, it's no longer a matter of, of conscious thought. Yeah. So that when things come at you instead of, yeah, instead of there, the, the, the metaphor works, I think instead of being rigid, you know, and tensing up and getting defensive, um, then, then you relax and, and, and go into the, like, you know what's going on here, and um, and, or you just and, or you just yeah. relax and step to the side, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not so much a, a conscious mediation of, yeah. You know, trying to figure things out. Yeah. Thank you, thank you for that that example, Paul. 
Well, I, I guess one thing oh. I've learned lately, I, I, I sometimes, um, you know, with my colleagues, I, I know sometimes I have gotten defensive, like, you know, like people say, well, uh, you know, I'll get upset when there's some book that I think is understandable and my colleagues, you know, say it's not, or it's not accessible. And what I'm learning is like to relax the, the defensiveness. Mm-hmm. That's another good example. Thank you. I, I think Paul was in the middle of saying something, but um, you're muted. Um, I just wanted to say that, that, that this, this, this state may seem very wonderful, and Aikido is a wonderful way of, of, of accessing that state of mind. Those martial arts are, are, are very much about that. You have to not be separate from your situation, from your opponent, from the, from the movements. But it is possible to, to get involved with attainment and then to become a, a proud or become separate on the other side of the table that you can't go too far. You can't go beyond it. You can't become, and it's not, it's not like a foolproof state where, where you're, as long as you're, as, as, as long as you have, if you have some attainment, and you and you recognize that it, it can it can also pull you down as well. So uh, it's not like it's it's a it's it's the, the zazen mind of no attainment of nothing of nothing, nowhere to go, nothing to do. That is the important part of it. But in order to get there, you have to have this kind of of, of non separation that Aikido certainly brings brings uh, uh, brings into the world. And and even then, sometimes. The other person can suddenly surprise us and we realize that, oh, suddenly we are separate. Thank you. Tygen had a comment, it looked like. Uh, a few comments, and I'll try and keep it brief. First, what uh, Paul Zengi was saying initially about time and our sense of time and getting caught in that, uh, one example of how uh, time is really fluid and flexible is just zazen because some periods of zazen, even if they're the same clock time as other periods of zazen, seem to go on forever and some go by really quickly. So time is um, just how we are and it's very flexible. So, uh, you know, going back to what you were saying, Asian, we, we can get caught in some idea that we don't have time or we do have time or whatever, but time moves around. So just to say that, but I think our zazen practice and when we sustain our zazen practice over time, <laughs> to put it that way, um, we develop that kind of sense that is in Aikido and, and martial arts as well of uh, being unified and just here I am and we're doing what we're doing and it's not, it's not separate. So that sense of, no, of non-separation between zazen and our activity is, is a kind of uh, f- facility or a faculty that we start to develop as we s- continue to do zazen practice. Uh, I just want to thank you, Asian, for telling that story. It's maybe my favorite Zen story. When I was Shuso or head monk at Tassahara, and there's a ceremony at the end of the practice period where people ask questions and you, and you give a koan, uh, usually they use bodhidharma, uh, but I use this story as my koan for my Shiso uh, ceremony. Anyway, it's it's a really wonderful story. Um, in the on in the back in when we had a 
Zendel at Irving Park, there's a Han, which is, uh, I guess you talked about this uh, a little while ago, but it's a wooden block that you hit to uh, signal when it's time to begin Zazen. And it says at the, um, at the end of the saying, at the end of that, don't waste time. And someone once asked my teacher, Tenshin Reb Anderson, what is wasting time? And he said, it's, a waste. it's wasting time when you forget the one who's not busy. So um, just that that's in the background all the time, that here we are. And, it, and just the last comment, it's not a matter of understanding this. We do study just to kind of encourage our practice, and that can be very helpful. But uh, one of the traps, like judging, am I doing it right or am I doing it wrong, is to try and, and achieve some understanding, as Paul was saying, not to try and attain something. Anyway, those are just some random comments. And thank you very much, Aisha. Thank you. Thank you for, for your random comments. They're, they're not so random, but, um, you know, something that you said in the beginning made me remember um, that there's a newer compilation of talks from Suzuki Roshi, who was the American um, founder of our, of our lineage and the title is Zen is right here. And I think that that speaks to this too, that there's, it's, it's right here. You know, we, whether we see it or not, whether we realize it or not, um, or, or, you know, or just, this is it like, like, you know, from, from Dongshan. Um, I, I think it kind of made me think of, you know, just wholeheartedness. How do, how do, how are we wholeheartedly with, whatever we're doing, even if we, even, even if we're wholeheartedly half-hearted. I believe David is next. And then I think I saw Jerry. Um, Asian, thanks so much for your talk. Um, I'm really excited to go and study the, the five ranks now more. I mean, uh, thank you for, for putting so much Dharma meat um, into the into that talk, and um, I love the things that you said about about busyness, and also the way that um, things like Zoom aversion or Zoom fatigue and and nostalgia for that other space that is not Zoom, you know, we're we're also also in your talk, and and I'm thinking about that. I mean, um, I'm continuing to teach on Zoom, but I'm also going to be teaching in the classroom. This one Zoom class that I'll be teaching. Um, I was going to make it just a one hour meeting because I have the belief that that's all that students can take. But I was asked, no, please do the, please do the full three hour seminar. And it was an interesting cognitive reframe just to realize, Oh, you know what? Um, I I don't know the relationship of of time and and my students aversion. And in some ways there's no, there's no difference between seeing you in, in what we call real space and seeing you right here. You know, I'm, my, my eyes are picking up, you know, stimuli that come from your face right now. And, I'm, you know, I saw you nod just now. And, and the fact that we're on Zoom in a way doesn't, doesn't change that. Um, I, I wonder if, if things like Zoom aversion somehow, somehow you know, are related to, to things like the feeling, of, the feeling of being busy or the feeling of being at leisure. I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know, those things in regard, th- th- those aversions as... Um, as as delusions and whether there is such a thing as as busy like like if that's one of the things that that story is about it's is busy uh 
uh, I, I don't know, a trap or a, a, a tricky category? I, boy, I, I don't know. I was trying to think of what even, um, if everyone even means the same thing when they talk about Zoom aversion. Um, you know, I've, I've now been relieved of my Zoom aversion because I no longer have to look at myself on, on Zoom, which is like, that, that, that took up a lot of energy, honestly. Um, and so I don't, I don't know what it is for, for others. Um, I do, I do think that we, there is something missing. There is an, an intangible phenomenon of, of being together that isn't present in Zoom. And yet, in another way, we, we actually can see everybody's face, you know, all the time. So you can see somebody reacting. It's easier to see because it's all in the same field of vision. One person reacting to something that someone else says. Um, so, so I don't know what is, what is gained and what is lost, but I'm, I'm intrigued. I don't think I fully understand um, how you relate Zoom fatigue to being too busy or, or engaged. Well, I'm feeling at this moment, I'm feeling suspicious of both of them. I'm feeling suspicious of that feeling of being too engaged. And I'm, I'm questioning my, my own, you know, Zoom, Zoom fatigue. I, I have moments of Zoom enthusiasm, but also moments of Zoom fatigue. And I'm, yeah. I'm not sure they depend on anything but my own mood. If it's sort of like what Tygen is talking about, how it's strange that a 40-minute Zazen period can be so long and so short on different days. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and maybe, um, maybe some, maybe sometimes people use zoom fatigue as an excuse um, because they just don't want to engage, you know? So I, I, it's hard, it's hard to know. There, and there's a lot that's hard to know when we're face to face. And there's even more that's hard to know. I think when we're, when we're, um, when there's something mediating our, our contact, but all these are, these are good points to think about. Thank you. I, I, I think that I saw Dylan next and then Kathy and then Jerry. Yeah, thank you, Asian. It's good to see you. Thank you for the talk. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about, I think it's something that Tygen just said. Uh, it's just a question that popped up where if, if reality is, is constantly changing and like in each of us as different points on the nexus are changing reality by our awareness. Like how is it even possible to have understanding like in general? That's a good question. Do, are you asking Tygen? I'm asking whoever wants to, who wants to rock with that one. Oh, I was hoping you were asking Tygen. <laughs> it could be Tygen or, or, or you, whoever. Well, I'll just say that, it is possible to have understanding and even good understanding. And, uh, and yet it's not so important. Uh, it, whether or not you have some good understanding or not, what's important is just do it. Just be it. I, can I add to that? Please. I think that our understanding has to be held loosely in all, in all situations um, that we can we can understand something, but we we have to maybe also accept that, that that our understanding is limited, and we don't 
always necessarily know what the limits of it are. And that, so that's when, um, you know, we, we think that we, maybe, maybe we're um, tuned in to some, something or someone, and then, and then something that we didn't expect happens. And, and so, you know, that's, that's a sign, that's, that's an example of our, of recognizing that our understanding is limited, but also, you know, the minute we understand something we've separated from it, the, the, the moment has, has changed. You know, the minute, the minute you grasp something, the moment, the moment is gone. And so our understanding has to be that, that flexible, um, you know, not always so to, to quote Suzuki Roshi again, the way of understanding. I think that just really briefly, the, 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 the word have or grasp is, is, is confusing me a little bit about having understanding as like being able to possess it or like carry it through, you know, like, is, is that just maybe a, a trick of English or is that accurate? Um, I think uh, Paul might be answering that for you. <laughs> it, it's, you, you. You have the emphasis on the wrong, on the wrong foot. It's not. It's not reality. It's. It's all of your ideas that you have to. That you have to let go. It's. It's, it's because of the clutter of ideas that you carry with you, or us. We all carry them with us. It's those clutter of ideas that, that keep us from seeing the reality of the moment. So reality is always there. And the, 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 the truth is always there. It's just all the luggage that we have, either that we our wishes and our hopes and our and our fears. Uh, that they keep us from seeing it. So, so as as Joshua Kwan, one of Suzuki Roshi's older disciples, one of his main main things is only don't know. If you don't know, then you could then you can see. But once you know, you could, you're blind. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. I I, I see Kathy. Thank you for your talk, Asian. Um, I found it very helpful. It stirred up a couple of thoughts, and I don't know if they're connected. Uh, maybe you all can help me. But, but the first one that came up was um, years ago. I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. I was at Green Gulch doing a work uh, period. I mean, not a work period. Um, a week of... I went and worked and got a discount to be able to stay there and participate for one week. I forget what that's called. Anyway, um, I was not there for a formal practice period or something. I just went for a week. And um, I remember working in the kitchen and as I tend to do, getting an overview of what needed to be done in the kitchen and they would give us a certain amount of time and they'd give us a certain task. And I would be thinking, if I go fast, I can also do this other thing, which clearly needs to be done. Or uh, if I put in an extra 10 minutes, I can do more of this and it'll set them up better for dinner. And it was not what was asked of me. And I remember at one point, the leader, whoever the work leader was, kind of commenting on... Uh, you know, that it's hard to let go, uh, you know, but that, that's, that's sufficient. That's enough. And, uh, and uh, Reb, when the week I was there in his talks, uh, talked about that in a similar vein. Okay, so now jump to my present life. Um, 
I am a therapist. I am uh, also going back into live sessions. Uh, two, I've been in one office two weeks. I'm going into another office uh, uh, one uh, this Friday. And uh, there is this sense of trying to make everything flow right. You know, and my schedule's been completely fruit basket turnover, so it has been chaotic. Uh, and uh, difficult to just go with that um, and not, uh, you know, rather than trying to be in control or work extra hard or get obsessive or stay up late. And, uh, you know, at some point you just have to let go. Okay, so jumping again, the other thing that has been on my mind a great deal, I had a long conversation with a colleague yesterday about it, uh, that I think... Um, Therapists are dealing with in a particular way, um, but I think everybody's dealing with, um, is that this absolute and particular, I don't know if this is kind of an example of it, but um, I am dealing with the same issues that many of my clients are dealing with now. So I have clients who are depressed over the climate crisis. Uh, really trying to cope with that depression. I have uh, clients who are so frustrated by um, COVID and uh, seeing people be unable to get uh, medical treatment, you know, and it being related to the hospitals being taken over by people who have not gotten the vaccine. That, and it brings your mind to these larger issues, you know, to the issues that are political, that are divided, the dividedness in our nation, the, um, the climate, these are huge issues, you know, as well as the conflict in Afghanistan, the horrible things happening and, and what it stirs up. Uh, and so it's like, I feel like in this present time, especially, it is important to do this thing of pulling yourself back from that absolute or the larger the larger over the abstract, the larger picture. And that, so, and, and you know, I have to practice that. How do you come back to, okay, what do I have control over right now? You know, I'm trying to help my client deal with this and not go into a depression. That's my task. And I have to then think about it in a different way. But also for myself, I can only cope with these things for so long before I need to pull back and toggle back to what am I doing now? You know, I, I, I am trying not to use products that are bad for the environment. I am trying to keep my life organized and be responsible to the things that around me, the people in my life, the things in my life. And so um, I just wanted to bring that because I think how to be in the world is related to this whole issue. That you're talking about today, and I appreciate your, your talking about it. It helped bring some clarity to me. I don't know if all that makes sense, but anyway, thank you for letting me share it. Well, thank you, Kathy. Yes, it's you know, there are it's overwhelming what's our world right now, and maybe more than any other time, we have so much awareness of suffering and also so much 
you know, we're, we're, we're aware of, of so many different crises and also an awareness of, you know, what can we do? What can't we do? Um, but I, I want to, I, I think that what you're talking about though, I want, I'm going to just use it as an example. I talking about, you know, trying to, and, and, and I think we have, we have so many, you know, different spheres in which to kind of juggle our attention, you know, that, that are, that are kind of clamoring for our attention and they're all so compelling. And as a way of thinking about, um, you know, too busy versus, you know, the one who is not busy, um, it's not a matter of trying to juggle your attention between those things or pulling away from one thing and thinking, you know, how do I, how do I do this? All of that is engaging the, the being in, you know, and with and present with each of those situations of suffering and your own suffering, you know, recognizing that you need to take care of yourself too. Um, it's not a matter of, you know, them versus you. It's, it's all, it sounds like you're engaging with all of it, you know, and, and that's, maybe that's the activity maybe of the one who's not busy. The one who's not busy is, is um, also, you know, doing that is they're, they're thinking about, you know, the climate crisis versus the COVID and and the COVID crisis and, you know, my own personal economy of how much energy do I have to devote to each of these things and, and is, um, you know, just kind of, kind of there. Kind of, kind of, kind of there with with the whole catastrophe. But it it's it is it is a lot, you know. That we the it relates, I think, nicely to your work practice in that you you realize you recognize that you had you know in the in the temple you only had like a you know a whatever a, a two hour work period and you were kind of saying you know if i just did like 10 more minutes i could get this thing going but but that's um that's the container that you had was was the two hours and and so these overwhelming tasks i think that is our that is our 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 that is that is one of the tasks that we're faced with is you know i can i can give this much to this i can do this for however long and then and then i have to move on to the next thing well, thanks. It's a good example. Thank you. It's about letting go. I mean, as as well as um... yeah, yeah, letting go of of this thing so that you can move to the next moment. Letting go of work on Friday so that you can move into um, what is what is the other what are the other activities of my life? Each thing has has its place. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think Jerry had her hand up next and then maybe Brian. Um, thinking about what Kathy just said and, and uh, Asian just said, it's, it's also, I think, there's something about just recognizing our own limitations, you know, that we do what we do and we are who we are. And sometimes we think we should be super people, you know, we're superheroes. Or, and the whole idea of a superhero is kind of like, I don't know, a fantasy type of thing. Anyway, you know, we're just for human beings and we're show, we show up and we give it our best shot and, and then we move on. 
And but, and that's that's pretty super. Yeah, that is pretty super, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to make an, another comment, and it goes back to a discussion earlier about Zoom fatigue and the Zoom world. And one of the things I noticed is while we all can see each other on Zoom, when, you know, I do this Wednesday morning uh, Zazen hosting, and one of the things I realized is you really, you really don't, we're really not all hearing the same thing. And sometimes we're not all seeing the same thing. Like you can talk and depending on your audio and everybody else's audio, sometimes the words get long or short or you miss something. And if you put a chant on a screen, depending on what everybody else's screen looks like, sometimes they see it, sometimes they don't, sometimes it's crooked. So it isn't, there is a, there are senses we're missing here. This is what I'm trying to say, and and it is it is a different experience. You know, it's not it, than the. There's more engagement somehow in the live personal experience where you can it, you can it sort of share with all of the senses together, or just have a better sense of what other people see and hear. So thank yeah. you. Thanks. You know, and. Um maybe recognizing that there are dimensions of our experience that go beyond what we can see in here that we can't necessarily quantify, but um, that may or may not show up through a mediated experience like Zoom. Thanks. I see Brian also has a comment. Yeah, thank you. Um, This is such a, important conversation it really is uh, it's there's no answer to it but it's good to have it what i you know when i was really busy with work and family life and i, I was always aiming towards also being one who was not busy but work and family life were so damn demanding and it was so much and so fast and you know busyness was so dominant it was it was just really hard um and it, I, I think we underestimate that sometimes it's a, it's a hard thing but when when I retired, you know, there's there's much less difference now between busyness and stillness, uh, and that's partly because there's a whole lot less activity. There's more time to do tasks more slowly. There's spaces between tasks. They're not all smashed together one after the other. And what I what I have learned um, is that there really are different phases of our lives sometimes, and the householder family career phase is different from old age and, and if you're fortunate, retirement. And the other thing I learned is that one is not better than the other. I mean, the time of, of, of learning and struggling to be open and present in the midst of busyness is just as spiritual and fruitful as a more spacious time where, where that becomes easier. Thank you, Brian. That is such a great example. Um, that... It's it's not a matter of preferencing one over the other. That's I, that, that I think was was part of my unspoken point to this talk. Um, you know, it's funny though because I listened to you describe the circumstances of your retirement, and I think about um, maybe other people I know who have recently retired who are having a very, very different experience. Um, it's, so, so one, I, I, I love your, the awareness, you know, and that, that you bring to this and the, the awareness and the acceptance and, and just kind of allowing it 
to be um, because I, I can think of people who um, maybe could approach that experience and say, there's nothing to do. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm so bored. Um, but uh, and 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 that's maybe speaking to a dimension of their life that um, maybe needs maybe needs some development or or you know I'm not I'm not here to say what's right for one person or another person but 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 your experience of just the way the way that flows I think is 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 huge you know that that's something that I was trying to say that there are times. And, and also maybe in response to Kathy as well, there are times when work um, of whatever kind, you know, consumes a lot of, of our life. It, you know, the, maybe it's, maybe it's taking care of a child, you know, bra- helping bra- raising a child will take, you know, so much time and energy or, um, you know, taking care of a, 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 a sick spouse or an elderly parent. And, and so that is that is our life at that time, and so whatever it is that's happening, that is your life. You know that that we're and the and the trying to balance or move between competing um, priorities is also just the the meat of your life. That's that's the that's the full engagement. And and maybe saying you know this is boring I don't I don't like this is that moment of stepping that that moment of separation you know that that's where the that's where the two moons start to appear. So thank you for the, the example, the examples that that you and others have given of of just being present with what it is and and thanks for the description of what it is. Oh, I think Tygen has a hand raised. Thank you, Aishin, and thanks everybody for a really good discussion. Uh, a few things, just um, in response to what's happening. So if people don't know, there's a huge uh, climate chaos hurricane bearing down on the Gulf Coast in New Orleans. It's, uh, I've heard it's the worst since 1850 or something like that, um, Category 4. Uh, uh, significant parts of Louisiana have been evacuated, and they say that parts of Louisiana will be uninhabitable for weeks. Uh, so it's happening right now, or it's approaching. So uh, in response to that, uh, what one thing uh, we will do we're, for the service after this, and the chanting after this, we have it, we will do the well-being dedication. But uh, beyond that, I uh, just want to dedicate all of this to uh, the people of the Gulf Coast and what they're um, undergoing right now. So uh, that's one response, um, and to hold them in our in our hearts. Uh, I wanted to speak to a little bit to this issue of Zoom Zoom aversion or whatever, uh, and I'll, there'll be in, in the announcements. I'll talk more about what's happening with um, uh, what we're going to have a sangha meeting next month about. Um, uh, our, our process of finding a new full-time temple and, and an interim rented part-time temple. And there's some progress in that. But I also, so it's, it's, I also miss sitting together with people. And also, I just want to speak for Zoom a little bit. Because of Zoom, I think there were seven people, at least, who were on this call who uh, were at a distance and wouldn't be here without Zoom. 
and it's and Rick Stravers, it's really great to see you. It's been a while. Your hair's gotten longer. Hi, <laughs> uh, Rick's in Michigan. Uh, we have numbers of states: California and New York, and um, anyway, and downstate Illinois represented here, and Sweden. Hi, <laughs> Eva. Um, anyway, um, so um, just to say that, and I'll, there'll be more in the announcements about that. Um, and it's a dif- it's a difficult challenge. It's like balancing um, uh, the suchness of the, just this, the ultimate of that, with each particular task or each particular experience, and how they're not separate is an interesting process. So, as a shameless plug for uh, people who are interested in looking at the five degrees or the five ranks, as they're sometimes called, more closely. I recommend the book, Just This Is It, Dongshan and the Practice of Suchness, Just This Is It, uh, which is published by Shambhala. So, <laughs> and, and Asian was, was uh, reading from it. So, um, uh, you know, beyond the ultimate or the particular, uh, as Paul said, um, Asian's caretaking heart is really important. And how do we take care of each other? And, we, in whatever new space we'll be in, we will have both in-person and Zoom components. So uh, we don't want to lose any of you who are coming from California or Michigan or New York. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Yeah, just this, just us right here and, and everyone else in the world who's with us. Are there any more comments, thoughts, observations, feelings, questions? As my uh, high school French teacher used to say, question, problème, difficulté, which probably is uh, comprehensible by non-French speakers. <laughs> um, I think maybe, well, I'll just, I'll just express my appreciation for the discussion that we've had that it's it's always um you know i i give talks but then it's really the rich discussions that we have that that helps the topic come alive so so thank you all for participating we we do we definitely do this together um can we should we move on to service or announcements Wonderful. I'm going to go ahead and mute everybody and then bring up the chant. Great. We'll now chant the repentance verse three times together, followed by the Metta Sutra. Sutta. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. All 
my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind I now fully avow. Metta Sutta This is what should be accomplished by the one who is wise, who seeks the good and has obtained peace. Let one be strenuous, upright, and sincere, without pride, easily contented and joyous. Let one not be submerged by the things of the world. Let one not take upon oneself the burden of riches. Let one's senses be controlled. Let one be wise but not puffed up. And let one not desire great possessions even for one's family. Let one do nothing that is mean or that the wise would reprove. May all beings be happy. May they be joyous and live in safety. All living beings, whether weak or strong, in high or middle or low realms of existence, small or great, visible or invisible, near or far, born or to be born, may all beings be happy. Let no one deceive another, nor despise any being in any state. Let none by anger or hatred wish harm to another. Even as a mother, at the risk of her life, watches over and protects her only child, so with a boundless mind should one cherish all living things, suffusing love over the entire world, above, below, and all around without limit. So let one cultivate an infinite goodwill toward the whole world. Standing or walking, sitting or lying down, during all one's waking hours, let one practice the way with gratitude, not holding to fixed views, endowed with insight, freed from sense appetites. One who achieves the way will be freed from the duality of birth and death. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. With full awareness we have chanted the Metta Sutra. We dedicate this merit to our original ancestor in India, great teacher Shakyamuni Buddha, our first woman ancestor, great teacher Mahaprajapati, our first ancestor in China, great teacher Bodhidharma, our first ancestor in Japan, great teacher Eihei Dogen. Our first ancestor in America, great teacher Shogaku Shunryu. The perfect wisdom Bodhisattva Manjushri. Gratefully we offer this virtue to all beings. All Buddhas throughout space and time. All honored ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, 
wisdom beyond wisdom maha prajna paramita